Hello, this is Dr. Ed Hill, host of This Week in the Word, where we grow in our knowledge of the Word of God and our walk with Christ. You found us This Week in the Word at dredhill.podbean.com. Welcome aboard. This is the episode for Sunday, October 17, 2021. It's entitled, Matthew's Messiah, Shocking Supernatural Revelations. Now we're going today to Matthew chapter 16. And from the vantage point of Matthew chapter 16, we can see from this chapter that Jerusalem is in view, the cross, the death, burial, and resurrection, the ascension, and the promised return of Jesus Christ. We are very close to what many would call the Passion Week of the Lord Jesus Christ. And we're well over halfway through the Gospel of Matthew. Now again, as I've said so many times, this is for you who are brand new today. Matthew, and his other name, his Jewish name was Levi. Matthew was a Jewish man who collected taxes for the hated Roman Empire that occupied Israel. And yet Christ called him to be a disciple. He became an apostle and he authored the Gospel of Matthew. So Matthew's main purpose, primary purpose, was to show his own people, the Jewish people, that Jesus Christ is the long-promised Messiah of the Jewish people. And in fact, he's the Savior of the whole world, of all who will trust in him. So we've come to Matthew 16, and I want to point out something that Napoleon Bonaparte is reputed to have said. Napoleon Bonaparte, the great military leader and emperor of France who conquered large parts of the world, was asked by one of his officers if he believed that Jesus of Nazareth was God. Napoleon Bonaparte answered essentially to this effect. If a man said and did the things Jesus of Nazareth said and did, then yes, I would believe that he is God. Wow, well, that's definitely true. And today we're going to see seven shocking revelations that challenge everything you thought you already knew about Jesus of Nazareth and following him. So let's go to Matthew chapter 16, and we're going to go through the entire chapter today, but we're going to do it a section at a time. So here's the first shocking supernatural revelation in verses 1 through 4 of Matthew 16. The shocking supernatural revelation of the power of God. Many people think God is weak or not present. Totally incorrect. God is all-powerful. Verse 1 of chapter 16. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting him, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now the Pharisees and Sadducees were simply, uh, essentially theological enemies. The Pharisees were more of what we might call Bible-believing conservatives. The Sadducees were (laughs) Bible-rejecting liberals. They were all part of the Jewish religion. But, you know, when enemies like this team up, that's always a bad thing, right? Well, the Pharisees in the last episode we saw teamed up with the scribes and they got beaten down by the Lord Jesus Christ 
for asking a ridiculous question or, or really making a ridiculous accusation. Well, they just don't know when to stop. You know what I'm saying? Well, he, they're back. This time, they team up with the Sadducees who didn't believe really in anything that was scriptural. You know, they said they did, but they really didn't. The Pharisees also with the Sadducees came and tempting, desired him that he would show them a sign from heaven. Now, I've just got to say right here, especially if you've been with us, you'll know what I'm talking about. Jesus Christ has raised people from the dead. He's healed everybody that came to him that wanted to be healed. He has fed multitudes at one time, and he's done amazing things. And people, large numbers of people have witnessed these, maybe even some of the Pharisees and Sadducees and scribes. And they show up and say, show a sign from heaven? Are you kidding? Verse two, he answered and said unto them, I love this, he, he doesn't, doesn't really even get drawn into their little trap. He answered and said unto them, when it is evening, ye say, it will be fair weather, for the sky is red. And in the morning, it will be foul weather today, for the sky is red and lowering. Oh, ye hypocrites, ye can discern the face of the sky, but can ye not discern the signs of the times? I mean, they've already been given sign after sign after sign after sign. And they show up saying, show us a sign from heaven? Right. Now look at what he says in verse four. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign, and there shall no sign be given unto it, but the sign of the prophet Jonas. And he left them and departed. Now we know what he was referring to here that just as Jonah was swallowed by the fish prepared by God, and it is believed that he probably died in that fish. I, I think that is what the Lord is getting at here. And yet the, the uh, fish couldn't keep a good man down, right? So the fish, when God wanted it to, vomited jo Jonah up on the shore. You know the story. That's actually a real literal story, by the way that actually happened. Why do you think when Nineveh saw him, they repented? Because he made quite an impression, let me tell you. So apparently he died in that fish and yet God raised him again. Some believe it just is that he was literally swallowed but didn't die, but it, but it was you know assumed that he died and he came back. I think he died, but we could argue that all day. But he says, that's the only sign these kind of people, this wicked and adulterous generation, are going to get. What's he talking about? He's talking about the power of God to raise him, the Messiah, from the dead. That's what he's talking about. And you can read the Gospels and see that's what he means. And he left them and departed. I'm sure they pondered that a long time and still never got it. But it is a shocking supernatural revelation of the power of God. God can raise the dead. Amen. Many people don't know that. Well, now you do. 
verses 5 through 12 in Matthew 16. The shocking supernatural revelation of the word of God. Verse 5, And when his disciples were come to the other side, they had forgotten to take bread. Now they had gone over the Sea of Galilee, and they didn't have any bread with them. Verse 6, Then Jesus said unto them, Take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Now leaven is, um, I guess you could say, I think this is correct, it's an organism, and whatever you put it in, like dough, it'll permeate all of it and and cause it to rise. And, And you bakers, you know that. But he says that the Pharisees and Sadducees had some leaven that they were dealing out, and he warns his disciples, take heed and beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Verse 7, and they reasoned among themselves, saying, it is because we have taken no bread. (laughs) Verse 8, which when Jesus perceived, he said unto them, O ye of little faith, why reason ye among yourselves? Because ye have brought no bread. Do ye not yet understand, neither remember the five loaves of the five thousand, and how many baskets took ye up? Neither the seven loaves of the four thousand, and how many baskets took ye up? By the way, that shows that these were two separate events, not one event reported twice, two different events. Verse 11. How is it that you do not understand that I spake it not to you concerning bread, that ye should beware of the leaven of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees? Then understood they how that he bade them not beware of the leaven of bread, but of the doctrine of the Pharisees and of the Sadducees. Oh, man. Now, this is a shocking supernatural revelation of the Word of God because do you know what both the Pharisees, to a great extent, and the Sadducees almost completely were both guilty of? Of of negating or neutralizing or canceling the effect of the Word of God. So he warns his disciples here, don't let their brand of teaching rob you of the of the power of God's word which is what they were all about and we've seen that as we go along they didn't start out that way but that's essentially how they ended up by the earthly ministry of the Lord Jesus Christ they they could not even recognize God when he was standing right in front of them because they put all their emphasis, too much emphasis in the case of the Pharisees on the, and the Sadducees really, on the, the writings and thoughts of men, even valuing that over what the Word of God said. We saw that in the last episode quite clearly. So we see here, the shocking supernatural revelation of the Word of God. Don't negate the Word of God. And that's what their false teaching does. It begins to, 
I mean, think of it another way. It's almost like a cancer that eats its way into your faith in the Word of God. Don't let that happen. You need the Word of God, not what people say about the Word of God. That's why in this podcast, I spend so much time reading what the Bible says. That's news to many people. Well, we need to hear what the Word of God says. All right, verses 13 to 17. Here's the next one. The shocking supernatural revelation of the Messiah of God. Who is that? Who is this long-promised Messiah? Who is the Christ, the one that God promised who would come and deliver the Jewish people and everyone in the world who would trust in him, deliver them from their sin that they not die and spend an eternity in hell? Who is that? Well, here's the shocking supernatural revelation of the Messiah of God. If you are listening to this podcast today, and maybe you are of no particular faith of religion, or you have one, but it is a non-Christian religion like Buddhism, Islam, Jainism, um, you know, I am, <laughs> they're escaping me now, but there, there are hundreds, I'm sure, but you're of some other religion than what you would call Christianity, and you're wondering how to reach God, hey, the whole mystery is going to be over in just a minute or two because this is a shocking supernatural revelation of the Messiah of God, who that is. Look at verse 13 in Matthew 16. You know, your search is over. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I the Son of Man, am. Now, let me stop right here before we go forward. We have seen many movies, especially those that come out of Hollywood, that are not presented from a Christian perspective most of the time. But the typical movie presents to us someone that is a a Jesus, as a Messiah, a Christ who is confused about who he is, unsure about who he is, searching to understand what it meant to be the Messiah, to be the Christ, to be the Savior of the world, and basically was in huge doubt about who he was and dreaded the cross and all of that. None of that is true. That's what Satan wants you to think. None of that is true. Oh yeah, prove it, all right? Here we go. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples, saying, Whom do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? And they said, Some say that thou art John the Baptist. And what they meant here is that he was John the Baptist, uh, like risen from the dead. Some say that thou art John the Baptist. Some, Elias. And that would be Elijah. And others, Jeremiah, or or one of the prophets. And some of you listening right now, you do not yet know that Jesus Christ is the Messiah. He is God. But you will say about him, well, he is a great teacher. 
He was a great preacher. He was a good man. Well, listen, obviously all of that is true, but if that's all you think he is, you are oh so wrong because you do not understand who he is. But Jesus is pinning down these disciples. And you might ask, why is he doing this at this point? And I don't know the exact time period, but very shortly, he is going to be leaving. Not only will he be crucified, dead, buried, and be resurrected, but he will ascend back to heaven. He, has, he is drawing out his followers about their understanding of who he is. So he starts out with what we might call a man-on-the-street interview, an opinion poll where he just asks all of these disciples, well, who do you say I am? And so they give, they tell him, not really who they say yet, but they're talking about the general view of the people around them, their culture of who Jesus is. And you'll find many people today who are reluctant to say that Jesus Christ is God. They are reluctant to admit that he is in fact the Messiah promised to the Jewish people, the Savior promised to all of the world. And they will come up with all kind of things they say Jesus is, but they avoid that completely, that they're wrong. Look at verse 15. He is saith unto them, but whom say ye that I am? Okay, so they told him what their culture says about who Jesus is, but now he zeroes in of what he's aiming at. But whom say ye that I am? I mean, they had followed him most closely. They had observed him in daily life for nearly three years. They had seen it all. Their opinion counts. Verse 16, And Simon Peter answered and said, and by the way, in every list of the disciples, he's always listed first. Judas is always listed last. And he is considered to be the leader of this group of disciples. So I don't think it's too far to say that he was speaking for the whole group. But at the very least, it's his viewpoint. But it wasn't really his. What are you talking about, Pastor Ed? Wait on, wait a minute, you'll see. And Simon Peter answered and said, Thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, and that means son of Jonah. Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood, that is like people or his own thoughts, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Wow. This right here that Peter says, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. This was the shocking supernatural revelation of the Messiah of God directly from the Father. There is zero doubt at this point of who Jesus Christ is. Now, as I said, 
He was never in doubt. But now it is even revealed this clearly to Peter and, and I would say to the disciples as well. But, you know, he was the leader. So God revealed it to him and I think they agreed. This is a shocking supernatural revelation of who the Messiah of God is. It is not Buddha. It is not Mohammed. It is not Moses or King David or Sun Young Moon or anybody like that. It's only one, and that's Jesus Christ. He is the Christ, the Son of the living God. And you know what? Jesus doesn't correct him here. Jesus says, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven. Wow. Verses 18 to 20 in Matthew 16. The shocking supernatural revelation about the church of God. You know, we live in a day when everybody and his brother all week long and twice on Sunday are kicking the church in the shins. And I'm talking about maybe some of the church deserves that because it's a false church. But people even do that to the true church. Say, well, which one is that, Pastor Ed? Well, it's not a denomination per se, but it is everyone who is truly born again by the Spirit of God, and they are a true believer in the Lord Jesus Christ. Those are the saved people, and I'm sure that they're pretty scattered throughout, probably most, I don't want to say all, um, true Christian denominations. They're not in cults, and they're not in false religions, but they are born again. They may be Baptists. They may be some other denomination. But these are the true Christians. But people, especially someone we all know, like Saturday Night Live, you know, who would do that? Well, that would be Satan, right? Yeah, church lady there. So here's the thing. The world and Satan and his vast empire of demonic forces, these are fallen angels. Don't let that wig you out. They're created beings just like we are, but they don't have a body. They are conscious beings. And you remember when Lucifer rebelled against God and Lucifer wanted to be God in place of God, he lost his position in heaven. And a third of the angels rebelled with him. But you know what? Two-thirds sided with the Father, with God. Amen? Amen. So, I don't know how I got off on that so deeply. (laughs) Notice the shocking supernatural revelation about the church of God. If you think it's just an organization and you can kick the true church of God in the shins, in the teeth, you're wrong. And you better be careful. Not to say that we as Christians are perfect. We're not. But I'll tell you one thing that's true. We're the bride of Christ. We belong to Jesus Christ. That's a fact. 
You better be careful how you treat the church of God. And if you're a politician listening today, you better get a clue. One day, even if you're not a Christian, you will stand and give account to God for how you treated the bride of Christ. You better wake up, Canada, and other places that are treating the church like it's just an organization. It's not. The true church is the bride of Christ. Wake up. Verse 18 and Matthew 16. And I say also unto thee that thou art Peter. Now that is a name that means um, like a chip. I'm going to put it in terms we might understand. A chip off the old rock, that kind of thing. A small rock. That thou art Peter. Now remember, his name is Simon, right? But the Lord gives him this new name, that thou art Peter. And upon this rock, and this is a word in Greek that means a large rock that, that, that Peter was just a chip off of. Some say that it's the statement we're about to hear. I believe that it refers to Jesus Christ himself. He's the rock, amen? That thou art Peter, and upon this rock, and I, I believe he's talking about himself, Jesus is talking about himself, that thou art Peter, but upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. Did you know that we're at war with hell? And of course, when you're storming the gates, that's you're on the offense. You know, the hell is the one on playing defense, right? And hell will not be able to withstand the assault of the Lord's church. Hell is going to fall against this assault. Let that seep in. Now that won't ultimately happen until Jesus Christ rules this world and rules in eternity, but it's gonna happen. You can write that down. And I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. And whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. So how Peter and the apostles and how pastors today should guide the church is based on what matches up with what heaven says is right and wrong. Yet we live in a day that the whole world says wrong is right and right is wrong. Well, I'll tell you what. That's wrong. I said it. And heaven has its own standard, God's standard, and it doesn't change. And we will be judged by God's measure, not man's. Let that sink in. Then charged he his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. Now, you might wonder, why would the Lord say that? Shouldn't they be telling everyone? Well, soon, after the death, burial, and resurrection and the ascension of the Lord, they will tell everyone. But at this point, now listen carefully. The people in Israel, I'm going to say, I'm going to go out on a limb here. They all had heard of Jesus Christ. They all knew about everything he preached everything he did, and yet 
the blind leaders of the blind were leading the blind into a ditch, as the Lord has said in a previous episode. And we went over that. At this point, if people didn't get it, they weren't going to get it anytime soon. And there, there would be no more, um, like the Pharisees and Sadducees said, show us a sign from heaven. I mean, I don't know, maybe he was, they were thinking that he should call down fire from heaven like Elijah. And Jesus said essentially, hey, everything you've needed to see, you've seen, but you are willfully blind. Some of you listening right now, you keep saying, show me something else, Lord. Prove that you're real. You're not going to get anything else other than what the Lord has shown you already in his word. Now, will he bring you under conviction of sin? Absolutely. In his, I'll put it like this. He doesn't owe you anything else. In his mercy, might he do something profound and miraculous? Yes, he could do that. But he doesn't have to or need to everything you need to ever see to know that Jesus Christ is God. You have already read and seen in the Bible. You need to respond to Jesus Christ and you need to listen to the message of the church of God, the bride of Christ, that Jesus is the only way out of this mess that all of humanity is in. Wake up. Matthew 16, 21 to 23, the shocking supernatural revelation of the enemy of God. Look at verse 21. From that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised again the third day. How clear could that be? But you're going to see as we go through Matthew that they just couldn't grasp that. I know that's amazing, but they just didn't get it. Verse 22, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him. What? What is Peter doing? He's lost his mind. Well, you could say that the revelation he got a few verses earlier, you know, went to his head. Well, maybe, hopefully not. But I'll tell you what was happening, and it's written right here. I'm not going to tell you. We're going to read it. Verse 22, Then Peter took him and began to rebuke him, saying, Be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. But he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. You get it? Peter, who a few moments earlier was blessed with supernatural revelation from God about who Jesus Christ really is, the Messiah, the Christ, the Son of God, the same Peter was used by the enemy of God, Satan, to try to deter the Lord 
from going through with the crucifixion, death, burial, and resurrection. I mean, obviously, if Satan could keep Jesus from going to the cross and dying from our, for our sins and rising again the third day, then he would win, right? The, you get it. That's what Satan wants at this point here in Matthew. That's what he's trying to stop. He can't stop the fact that Jesus has come from heaven to be our Messiah, our Christ, our Savior. But could he keep him from going through with it? And Jesus would have none of it. There was no uh, pity or self-doubt, by the way, as I've mentioned, in the Lord Jesus. He understood who he was. He understood why he came. And we know from the Gospels that he has set his face to go to Jerusalem and go through with this. And we know from the book and uh, letter of Philippians that he did this with joy. So understand all of this about the Lord Jesus Christ. So we see in verse 23, he says this unto Peter, but he's addressing Satan. Say, well, how possible is it for Satan or a demon to use a Christian today? I don't know if we fully know all of that. If you're spirit-filled, I'm going to say hardly at all, but I don't want to say it's impossible, right? But in this case, however it was possible, Satan was using Peter to try to get the Lord to deviate from the plan of the Father, so he, but he turned and said unto Peter, Get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me, for thou savorest not the things that be of God, but those that be of men. So that's a shocking supernatural revelation to the enemy of God. And listen, if Peter could be deceived or misused momentarily that way, I'm pretty sure if we're not close to the Lord and careful and filled with the Spirit and in His Word, we can probably be too. And I don't want to get into a deep theological discussion of it. You read it just like I can. It's right there. Now in Matthew 16, 24 to 26, the shocking supernatural revelation of the call of God. Then said Jesus unto His disciples. Now this, this is right after He rebukes Satan who is using Peter and, and rebuke Peter. <laughs> then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. You see, far from shrinking from the cross, he calls all true believers to pick up their cross and go forward as he is going forward. Look at verse 25. For whosoever will save his life shall lose it. And whosoever will lose his life for my sake shall find it. For what is a man profited if he shall gain the whole world? and lose his own soul? Or what shall a man give in exchange for his soul? The answer to that is we can't give anything 
if we lose our soul. We only have one soul, the real us that lives inside. And if you're born again, you're not going to lose your soul. But if you're not, and you value the world system and what the world values and what the world says to do, fill in the blanks. You know what? You're pursuing the world and the things of the world and the love of the world and the love of God is not in you. Where are you getting that, Pastor Ed? Hey, check out what John the Apostle says in his letters. I think that's in 1 John. Think about that. Jesus issues a call, and we get a shocking supernatural revelation of the call of God. We, we have not been called as Christians to an amusement park like Disneyland. We've been called to a battlefield, a combat zone. Well, nobody told me that, Pastor Ed. Well, it doesn't matter. You're in one now. <laughs> it's sort of like uh, the movie, I, I hope I can remember the Private Benjamin, that movie where Private Benjamin, Goldie Hawn, says to the drill instructor, oh, this is not the army I signed up for. <laughs> you know, she believed the recruiting stuff, right? And she joined the army and it was a lot different than she had understood it to be. Same with us. I'm sorry if you came to Christ and somebody didn't tell you the whole deal, but it doesn't matter. You're born again now. You belong to Jesus. You're part of the bride of Christ. You're wearing the uniform of Jesus. Guess what? That makes you an enemy combatant as far as Satan and the demons are concerned and the world system. Are you wondering today why there are Christian pastors all over the world who are dying in prisons, being tortured in prisons, and many Christians with them, why Christians in Canada, very specifically, and Australia, and increasingly even in the United States, are starting to be targeted and pointed out and persecuted? Well, here's your answer. Actually, it's very exciting to me. I'm not embracing suffering. I don't want to suffer any more than any of you. But you know what? If that's what it entails for being true to Jesus, God will give us the strength, amen? And we should pick up our cross as he did and follow him. There is no easy believism. I often quote Amy Carmichael and her poem called, I believe it's called The Archer. And one of the lines says, I have heard thee sung mighty in the land, and yet thou hast no wound, no scar upon thine hand. Think about that. Wow. Jesus says, you better get your value system straight. Say, well, what if following Jesus means I lose my job or I'm threatened with imprisonment or fill in the blanks? You know what? I don't, I don't want that, but it might. And I have already discussed this with my wife. 
I have already made up my mind. Now, personally, I'm a huge chicken, just like you are, right? We all would shrink from suffering. But you know what? I believe that true Christians, as Dwight L. Moody, the great evangelist, said, he was asked, did he have faith to die for Jesus? And he said, well, if I had to do it right now, you know, like on my own, no. But if I have to, God will give me the strength. You know, dying grace. Think about that. What I've just covered is very disturbing to many of you who call yourself a Christian. I'm not even disputing that you are or are not. I'm just saying that you had no knowledge of what Jesus says right here. Shame on you. You don't even know the army you've joined. Verses 27 and 28 of Matthew 16, the last one, the shocking supernatural revelation of the judgment of God. Now, I know nobody today likes the J word. You can't judge me. God can. And by the way, with the word of God, I judge myself and I can not bring condemnation on you, but I can discern, you know, whether you're walking the way the Bible says, whether I am or not. Okay, we all should have that discernment. But I'll tell you what, even if you think nobody else can judge you, God will. Well, I don't believe in that. It doesn't matter. You'll show up anyway because you will be commanded to come. Now, I don't have time to go into the various judgments and how that might happen, but I just want you to know whether you're a Christian or not. And you may say, well, I'm Jewish. I don't believe in that. Or I'm, I know Jews do <laughs> anyway, or I'm Islamic or I'm Buddhist or I'm Hindu or whatever, but I don't believe that. Well, you better start. And it doesn't matter if you do start or not. You will one day face God and be judged. That's a shocking supernatural revelation. And guess what? It comes from the lips of Jesus Christ, the Son of God, the Christ, the Messiah of God, the Savior of the world, the only one who can save us from it. Look at verses 27 and 28 in Matthew 16. For the Son of Man shall come in the glory of his Father with his angels, and then he shall reward every man according to to his works. Verily I say unto you, there be some standing here which shall not taste of death till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now, I don't have to, time to explain verse 28, all of it right now. Just trust me, if you listen to the next episode, you're going to see that fulfilled. <clears throat> but notice with me that Jesus has already said he's going to be killed and resurrected, right? But here in verse 27, he uses a phrase, son of man, which Daniel the prophet used often about the Messiah. He says, for the son of man shall come in the glory of his father. So he's going to return, right? As the resurrected God that he is, shall come in the glory of his father with his angels. Listen, not only can you not resist Jesus Christ, you can't resist even one of his mighty angels. And then he shall reward every man according to his works. 
And again, I don't have time to break down all the various judgments. Just know you're going to answer for this life. Well, I don't care. I'm a very important person in the federal government. Hey, write it down and bury it under a rock. You can count on this. This will always be true. You will answer to God for how you use the delegated power that he allowed you to have. Well, I'm not even a Christian. That's even worse. But you're still going to answer to God. And every single person will answer to God. So notice he's coming back with his angels and there's going to be an evaluation. You could call it whatever you want, but when you say he shall reward every man according to his works, figure it out. It's almost like I used to be told sometimes, wait till your father gets home. <laughs> I'd already been in trouble with mom, but dad was coming home and it wasn't going to be good. It would be worse, right? Jesus is going to return and there will be judgment. Well, how do you know that? Because he said it right here. Well, I don't like that. Doesn't matter. It's going to happen anyway. Get with it. Verse 28. Now again, I'm not going to explain all of verse 28, but notice at the end it says, till they see the Son of Man coming in his kingdom. Now you know the old great reset that the leaders of the world system are trying to throw together with all their might, and, and they'll eventually succeed at that. And guess who's going to run it? They may not know this. They probably don't. But one called the beast, the Antichrist, is going to run that kingdom. That's a fake kingdom. It tries to mimic the coming kingdom of Jesus Christ, but it won't last. It'll, it'll go on seven years, and Christ is going to demolish it when he returns and take over. You know, he's not coming back to take sides. He's coming to take over. And he talks right here about his coming kingdom. Hey, forget the great reset and a world government and all of that. It's doomed to be destroyed. His kingdom will last forever and no one will successfully challenge his rule. Amen. I hope you are sufficiently shocked by these supernatural revelations of God. Listen, some of you may be so shocked you're in spiritual trauma. Good. You need to be. Here's a phone number you can call. This is like the emergency room number for you right now. Now, you're not calling me, but you're calling a ministry which can help you come to Christ and know that you will live with him for eternity, your sins forgiven. And you don't have to follow Satan in the world system and go into the same eternal hell they're going into because you can turn to Jesus Christ and be welcomed into his kingdom and eternity with God. Now, here's that number. I'm going to say it twice. 877-247-2426. 877-247-2426. If you're too shy to call that number, go to chataboutjesus.com. Chat aboutjesus.com. I want to leave you with a powerful verse today. And here it is. 
Romans 3, 23. This is how I know that we will all be judged by God. For all have sinned. This means you. For all have sinned and come short of the glory of God. We just simply don't measure up to the perfection God requires. But hey, here's another great verse, Romans 6, 23. For the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life through Jesus Christ, our Lord. Well, I thank you for listening today to this episode of This Week in the Word. You've been great listeners, and I'm so blessed to have you here. Tell others about this podcast at www.dredhill.podbean.com. You can even get the Podbean app free and listen to This Week in the Word, Dr. Ed Hill, and grow in your knowledge of the Word of God, even come to Christ and become a great Christian for Him. Listen, time is short. We need to get serious. Thanks for listening. I'll be back with next week's episode if Jesus doesn't come first. Amen. Amen.